Hi, I'm Joy. And I'm Janelle. And we are your hosts of the Melanin and Miles podcast. We are just two Black girls in our 20s who have traveled to over 25 countries and five continents. And we want to share our travel experiences and advice with you. Like when I went cliff jumping in Jamaica, or when I booked a flight for only $6, and even when I lived with a host family who didn't speak any English in Spain for four months. Or when I went skydiving in D.C., swam with elephants in Thailand, and won over $200 at a casino in Puerto Rico. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast and tune in every Tuesday for new episodes. Before we get into the episode, make sure you get your hands on our free Budget Babe travel guide to learn the top 10 ways you can be saving hundreds or even thousands of dollars on your next travel adventure. Get the guide straight to your inbox at melaninandmiles.com slash free. This segment of our podcast is called The Check-In, where we both update you guys on where we've been traveling and life updates in 60 seconds or less before we get into the episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to Melanin and Miles. This week we are doing another interview and it is with Juanita Ingram. She is an American mother, lawyer, philanthropist, and producer living in Taiwan and I think now Singapore. Juanita and her family has relocated (laughs) from the States to London for her husband's job, been to Taiwan, and now she's in Singapore. And that's pretty much where they've been living throughout COVID. And so they've done a lot of travel, a lot of moving, and I just want to welcome Juanita and We'll get straight into the interview. So first, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. We're excited to have you. So clearly you love to travel or else you wouldn't be living like you are. (laughs) So what actually sparked your interest in travel? Yes, I actually do love to travel. And my children have been to 24 countries. I've been to over 30 myself, um, in addition to living abroad. And honestly, the first time I left the U.S. was my honeymoon. And I hadn't traveled abroad until then. I was 27. And um, I just really felt that I knew that we were going to be required to live internationally. I had no evidence of that, no reason to think that. I just had a, you know, a stirring in my spirit, as my grandmother would say, (laughs) that I needed to experience going abroad. So our first trip was our honeymoon. We went to Florence and um, Rome. And then after that, every year on our anniversary, we just made a commitment to go to a new country. So we backpacked across Spain the next year. We went on a couple's trip to Paris. Um, And then shortly thereafter, we got the call that we were going to be living in London. And while we were there, we just went all up and through Europe. And by that time, I had two children. And I just love experiencing new things. I think going to different countries and going to different places really helps you develop as a person and experiencing new cultures helps you to appreciate other people. Sometimes it helps you appreciate where you are, where you're from. But I think most of all, it allows you to see new things, to explore new things and to expand your mindset. Um, My homes that I've lived in have been decorated and interior design have been influenced from the many different places that we've traveled. And that's just something that you don't necessarily have a deep understanding of until you've been to a particular place. So it's both cultural, intellectual, 
And it's just a lot of fun. I enjoy my kids seeing new things and seeing countries for a second or third time through their eyes as well. So it's a lot of fun. That's really cool. I know you mentioned before how your first move is mainly for your husband's job. How has it been like, I guess, if, have, have you been working virtually or have you been just like switching jobs or does your company allow a lot of travel? Like, how does that work with working and living like this? Yes. So I'm an attorney. I've been a lawyer for 19 years now. Um, and in the beginning, that was probably the hardest thing in the journey that I had to navigate because I'm what they call a trailing spouse, which I used to hate that term. I, I embrace it now. I kind of thrive in it now. But trailing spouse kind of sounds like you're being drugged along behind somebody. Um, but it was my husband's job that moved us. And so the first time when we moved to London, um, I quit my role as in-house counsel. I was in-house counsel with Rolls Royce at the time. And I quit my role and I decided, okay, this would be a great opportunity for me to do a business role because lawyers hardly ever have an opportunity to go on the business side. I am a transactional business attorney, entertainment law, contracts, um, supply chain, anything transactional that was basically my area. The, the first time when I was in London, I did a job share role. I, I quit my role as in-house counsel. I was an in-house counsel attorney with Rolls-Royce, but my area of specialty was everything contracts. So from procurement to real estate transactions, contracts, and even entertainment law um, contractually was what I specialized in. I have a JD and an MBA. And I decided, you know, this would be a great opportunity because, and I didn't know initially that we would be in London that long. Uh, I initially thought we would only be there for two years. I would take a small break do a business role in procurement because I was a procurement law attorney at that time and that it would be a great experience. I did that. Then I realized we were going to be in London for a lot longer and I gave myself permission to explore other aspects of me and my talents. I always continued to practice law. I had my own law firm. I had clients um, that I could service online. So this was before the whole digital nomad you know, movement was is such a, a powerful and, and prominent thing now. But this was like back in 2012, 2011. Um, and I really just gave myself permission to do whatever suited me at the time. So I decided to have my own law practice, have my own clients in the nonprofit and entertainment sector. But then I also decided, you know, I've, I've started acting when I was younger. My mother's a musician and in the arts. What would happen if I auditioned? Would I get an agent? I did that, landed my first uh, independent feature film while we were in London and just continued acting from there. And then we were in London for almost five years. When we came back to the US, that's when I decided to create my opportunities and get behind the camera. And I started my own nonprofit production company and that's sort of taken off from there. I went back to practicing law. I was assistant general counsel when we came back to the U.S. And, you know, I, I always tell people I love being a lawyer. I will always be a lawyer. But lawyers are very versatile. In the beginning, I didn't think that I would be. I thought, well, I'm licensed in Tennessee and Indiana, and that's my limit. But once I got creative and started thinking about, OK, I can have clients anywhere. <laughs> contracts are contracts. And started doing that and then also pursuing 
uh, and turning a passion into a profession of film and acting and empowering women through that avenue. And then I also had the opportunity to be a founder and uh, board chair and also an interim CEO for a while of Dress for Success Greater London, which was a lot of legal nuances to, to bring in that affiliate to, to fruition. So I did that while I was in London as well. And that really helped me sort of marry everything that I was passionate about and what I wanted to do. And I continued doing that even after we moved back to the States, after we moved to Taiwan, I worked remotely uh, and I still do with Dress for Success in London and also now Dress for Success in Chattanooga. And I run my own nonprofit production company. And that all came about just giving myself permission to explore other options. I researched other attorneys in the entertainment sphere and what they were doing. And I don't think, you know, Clive Davis, who runs Jive Records, is a Harvard attorney. I don't think he misses a day in the courtroom. Iyanla Van Zandt is a former New York prosecutor. I don't think she misses a day in the courtroom. And they're very mobile. And you have to give yourself permission to really find the ability to do what you have to do sometimes. And then fortunately, it will can evolve into what you want to do. And that, that's the space that I'm in right now. Oh, that's really cool. You have such an interesting story. I'm, <laughs> I'm <laughs> like super impressed. That's really cool how uh, you just found so many outlets. I feel like people always want to just like limit themselves to like, you know, their careers where they are. Like how you said, like you were licensed in Tennessee and Indiana, that's it. But like not many people take that next step to look what else they can do and like go out and do more. So that's really interesting. Thanks for sharing that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think it's so important that so, you know, sometimes we will say, oh, life puts limits on you. We put limits on ourselves mm -hmm. because life has taught us, you know, you go to school for a particular profession and you have to stay within this way of doing it. And I've been fortunate to have uh, a lot of really supportive people, a lot of people that weren't so supportive too. And that, I think the biggest advice that I give to people is searching for careers in a digital space or in, you know, a global space and trying to find who they are, what they're going to do, especially as trailing spouses, because your your spouse comes with a purpose and you sort of have to find your purpose. And people are like, oh, you know, why don't you just be a stay-at-home mom or be a stay-at-home wife? And I'm all of those things, but I was more than their mother and more than his wife the day that they all met me, the day that I had them. And so, you know, you don't want to starve any particular side of yourself. We are not a monolith as Black women. We are not a monolith as mothers, and we are not one-dimensional. And if you starve any particular side of yourself, you will get hunger pains, as you know, as it is in the natural, as it is spiritually and mentally, you will get hunger pains. So I think it's important that my biggest advice to people is do the research of other people with your professional background that are doing other things, and it will help give yourself permission to be different and different from what is traditionally thought of as what you should be doing. And then you realize that it's really not that um, different, that awkward. But I had people who thought I was either going through a midlife crisis. I was in my early 30s. I'm like, that's not midlife yet. It's called <laughs> growth and, and evolution. But people will, will, you know, think that you're crazy for one, wanting to travel so much and then also wanting to expand the bounds of what it is that you are capable of doing. And it's really a projection 
of their fears and limitations. People don't like to see you do what they were too afraid to do. And so you have to drown that out and then pour back into that with the realities, you know, that other people are out here doing great things that are outside of societal boxes. And it actually is the new norm. It actually is very normal. And um, because I think living up to your full potential is normal, or at least it should be. So let's normalize that. You can, uh, that's a preach statement right there. (laughs) 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 But no, that's super cool. Like, I'm like, I love that, like, this is your outlook on life. And like, this is what we're seeing in the world. Like, it's like, this is like a breath of fresh air, this conversation. Thank you. Oh, good. (laughs) Yeah, great. I know you just moved to Singapore, but do you think you'll take another major move or is Singapore the, is that the final destination? Oh, it's not final. No, my, my husband will get promoted again and we'll have to shift <laughs> again. I, I have no problem with it. It is, it will be here for, we'll be here for a while. So we were in Taiwan for the last two years, um, really riding out the pandemic <laughs> while we were in yeah. Taiwan. I wouldn't have wanted to be any other place. I mean, we went 15 months in Taiwan with no COVID cases. And so it was a very blessed time, a very safe environment to be in. Um, Taiwan was one of the first countries to have to deal with COVID, we were we were 87 miles outside of China. And so, you know, it, it hit there first and they really leveraged their learnings from SARS. And it was, it's a very safe place to be. Singapore is, ex- is exactly similar. So very low cases. Um, I'm talking like single double digits, like very, and, and went months with zero cases. I think the Delta variant has kicked the cases up just a little bit, but um, still a very safe environment. And a really interesting experience as it pertains to democracy and to watch COVID play out in the U.S. and have a sort of a lens of three different continents, because I'm still running Dress for Success in London, um, establishing a running Dress for Success in Tennessee and Chattanooga, and then living in um, Taiwan and now Singapore to have a lens of Asia, the U.S. and Europe, the U.K., Um, it's been interesting to see how that played out. And, you know, when we were living in London, I had the idea for uh, a show about the Black and abroad experience, about being a Black expat and living abroad. And Taiwan was the right time for us to do it. I I thought about it last year that we were in London. uh, We moved back to the U.S. after that for about two years. And then when we found out, when they first started whispering about having my husband go to Taiwan, I knew it was time to start rolling the camera. So it's a sort of a reality docu-series. I hesitate to say reality because I think people have a certain idea of reality and unscripted TV. And this one is, is, I felt like there was a a niche that wasn't there um, or wasn't fulfilled. And there was a market for a show that was family friendly, that you could, you know, leave your kids in the room and watch it be inspired, be educated, but also be extremely entertained. And I just didn't see a show about being black and abroad, hadn't seen it. And so uh, we launched that in December of 2020. It's been a great ride. We're actually filming, wrapping up filming season two of that is on Amazon Prime um, and it's called the Expats International Ingrams. And so, you know, this, this season two will, I won't say what all is in it and what all we cover, but it's a lot very interesting 
and we're here. Um, but it's it's been a great journey because I think it's so important to put forth positive black images of us in international and global spaces. I, I the idea I had for the show was because I was it was a show that came out many years ago. Uh, it was uh, produced by Mona Scott Young. I think it was on VH1, and it was about black sorority life. And I was getting my nails done in London. I put my keychain down on the table at the time and it had my sorority insignia on it. And this black British woman just lit into me. She was like, why do you all behave that way? Why are you fighting on TV? You know, you should be your college educated women. You should be more responsible. And I was like, whoa, first of all, I'm not on the show. You know, I'm like, whoa. Um, but right. But but it really helped me. And I had had clients who were in the reality entertainment space and done a lot of legal work for them in that space. So I understood it and I understood what they often do to our narratives on those shows in that particular space, which there's a show for everyone. There's a space for everybody. I, I love it all. I watch it all because I'm a study of, I think you should study the genre that you're doing, whether it's film, television, you know, you have to study your genre. And so I've studied a lot of it. I enjoy most of it. I won't say all, but most. There is, however, um, a pervasive imagery and narrative that they have for us in our stories that is negative. And sometimes it paints us in a negative light and it impacts how we are handled or mishandled, even in global settings. So this show was syndicated and I was like, oh my God, this show is impacting how people are seeing us, you know, in this international setting. And that's when the first, it first hit me. And then it, second, we used to do this thing called Soul Food Sundays. And we would rotate between houses and it was, we were in London. It was all black people. I don't know how I always attract all the black Americans anywhere I go or black people, period. Um, I just do. And so we would all get together, like 40 of us, um, 15 kids running on the lawn, like Frankie Beverly Mays was playing, Beyonce, we were barbecuing. We're out at this person's house. And I looked up and in the background, there was Windsor Castle because we were living in Windsor, Ascot area at the time. And I just... When I looked out into the lawn, though, I was like, wow, this is everyone here is a senior director or, or uh, you know, an executive or general manager. Yet all these super successful black people that were living internationally, running businesses, you know, doctors, lawyers, Indian chiefs, as you will. And I just didn't see that in television, scripted or unscripted. You know, the last, you'd have to go to the Cosby show or Blackish or Different World. Those are scripted shows, that's fictional. But in the unscripted genre, I didn't see anything that represented what I was living and what my reality was. So I felt like, you know, if, if somebody else could tell the story, then you shouldn't do it. But if no one else can tell it, that's definitely something you should do. And at that time, um, I was new to filmmaking, new to even coming back and being in, in acting. So I just decided for every set that I was on that I would study and I would observe. And eventually when I, after I launched my own production company, uh, within a couple of years, we decided to roll the cameras and develop this show. And um, we hit 2.3 million streams in one month. So we were, we were happy with it. Um, and I think it's just very necessary for us to show us in positive images of us in global spaces. Because I think it's so important that young black children be able to see themselves and my children um, be able to see other options of success. Because oftentimes reality only, you know, you only see successes 
rappers or athletes, and there's nothing wrong with that, but not everybody's going to find success through that avenue. So I, I wanted to put forth positive images of black men, um, educated images of us in international spaces, and it still be entertaining and it still be a lot of fun. Uh, it was a Black Panthers that coined the phrase, edu- the phrase edutainment, which is being educational and entertaining at the same time. And so that's what we, we based it on. And that's what I'm sort of flourishing in. So in the future, that's where, that's where I'm at. That's what I'm doing. That's really cool. And I'll like, I'll link the show into the show notes. So um, people that are listening can easily find it. Like, I definitely want to start watching it now. <laughs> I'm gonna definitely look it up on Amazon okay. and see what's going on. Yeah. We um we won a Webby Award. We were Webby Award honorees. We got two Telly Awards. We were actually on the uh, ballot for nomination for Outstanding Unscripted Show, Outstanding Casting, and Outstanding Something Else. I can't remember what it was. It was four different categories for Unscripted Television for the Emmys. So wow. we didn't get the nomination. Yeah, we didn't get the nomination this year, but the Television Academy did say it was very rare that we would even be included on the ballot because we are self, self-funded, self-produced. We don't have the backing of a large network yet. Um, we are working on it, however, but um, it's very rare that those type of shows are included on the Emmy ballot. But I think it just speaks to production quality and level. And, you know, again, being a lawyer, work ethic, and understanding that film is a business and understanding business, it doesn't leave you. It just serves you in whatever it is that you're doing. So whatever skill set that you have and whatever, you know, no, digital world that you're going to function in doesn't leave you. It just really transitions you and, and sets you up to do whatever it is you put your hand to really well. So again, that's taking the limits off of what your background can afford you to do. Nice. That's once again really cool. Your story is just very entertaining in itself. <laughs> so yeah, I can only imagine your show must be even even more entertaining. But, it's hilarious. I will say that my husband is funny. I didn't think uh, he was going to be that funny because he's a he's a little he's not he's not uptight or anything like that. He's just I just you know you never know how people will perform for cameras like my. My kids, my daughter has won acting awards. She wants, she loves being in front of the camera. I do too. It doesn't, we don't shrink. I didn't know if my husband would shrink or if he would come to life. I did not know that my husband was that funny. I was like, who is this dude? I'm living <laughs> for it though. But he is just really naturally funny like that. And I should have known because he, that's part of the reason why I married him because he made me laugh. And so I just didn't know what the camera in front of him would do, but he's not shy at all. And he's, we are so opposite on so many things that it is just really entertaining. And then part of the formula for the show, I just always said, you know, you don't have to make up contrived storylines. It is very honest and very real. It's not, you know, storylines that are produced uh, within the unscripted genre. I think you can tell and people started really getting tired of that. And, and there's a formula for success. I'm not knocking anybody's uh, structure of their shows because it works. Obviously the numbers are there, but our show, we started rolling the cameras in December of 2018 when we first started hearing that we were going to move. We did everything from house hunting to unpacking immigration. I mean, you just see the reality of it. It's very real. And we, it was really more of a docu-series 
um, than anything else, but it is unscripted. And I love the fact that uh, later on in the season, you see other Black expats. So it's not just my family, but we have people who came to Taiwan to teach those who were students, uh, people who are business owners and, and various walks of life that how, what was their journey? How did they land where they were and where they are and how did they get there? And what is their day-to-day like in those experiences? And we covered Black Lives Matter and the rally we had in Taiwan. It was just very organic, very real, um, but very entertaining. I like making people laugh. Uh, I do have an inappropriate sense of humor, so I have to watch it sometimes to make sure that it's very kid friendly. Uh, I'll laugh at inappropriate things, but it's okay. Um, but it's it was a lot of fun to make. Season two has even more expats that I'm introducing people to into their journey and how because everybody everybody isn't going to be a corporate expat like myself, you know. And how do you go abroad? How do you live? abroad what does it look like what you know what are the options for other people and so I'm, I'm proud of the fact that we really deep dive into other people's journeys um and how they came to be about in in living in Taiwan we do take y'all through Taiwan because we didn't leave <laughs> uh we we do I think this season we're going to highlight um Japan Malaysia Philippines places we went before COVID uh and sort of the country locked itself down but there are some beautiful places in Taiwan that we take people to. It's not really a travel show, but there are going to be little travel segments because I'd be remiss if I didn't show the beauty of being abroad as well. So it should be interesting. Funny enough, season one, we went to Singapore and I had said being, man, I could live here. And then, you know, never really thought anything about it. And then lo and behold, here we are. And so life is, <laughs> yeah, life is funny like that. Life is funny that way. Yeah, there really is power in the tongue. Because I told my husband, I was like, you know, if there's any place else, in Asia that I would want to live besides Taiwan, it would be here in Singapore. And I was standing in the botanical gardens when I said it, that was in 2019. And he was like, I I don't know, that probably won't happen. And I'm like, well, you never know. And they just kept it pushing. And then here we are. So (laughs) it's a life is funny that way. That's funny. That kind of ties into my next question. So like of all the countries that you've lived, which would you say is your favorite? Oh, gosh. You know, it's a tie right now between I really enjoyed our time in London. Um, I really, really did. London has its, its, you know, every there's there's pros and cons in in every place. Uh, I really enjoyed being there. But right now and Taiwan has been great. It's it's almost like picking a favorite child. This is hard. But uh, (laughs) right now, Singapore is in the lead. And it's not just because of the newness. This is my second time being here, first time living, but um, there's a reason why people call Singapore the London of Asia, because it really is. And it's extremely diverse. And Taiwan is beautiful, but it's a very homogeneous environment. And so, you know, two years of being stared at and, you know, the elevator doors opening and people jumping when they see me like, oh, a black person, you know, that gets old. (laughs) <laughs> and I love Taiwan though, but it just, you know, it, 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 yeah, it's just, it's a little different. However, Taiwan is so beautiful that it's kind of hard to say, oh, I prefer that, you know, and I'm just now living here, but it is such a relief and so peaceful to be in an environment where diversity, Blackness has been normalized, you know, and that's, it's just beautiful. 
Um, my son's homeroom teacher at his international school is a black man from South Carolina. You know, it's just be- a beautiful experience for him. Um, my daughter's Spanish teacher is black. You know, it's just it's just a different experience when you are and Asia can be a different experience in living abroad. It is very different when you're in a place that uh, doesn't have a deep amount of anti-blackness, doesn't have um, views of color that are negative, that's just extremely diverse. There are a lot of expats in Singapore, a lot of people. It is a very international place. And I think that suits my personality. Um, But I think being in Taiwan really stretched me as a person. Uh, And I think it's something that everybody should experience because it can also help you grow and really stretch you beyond your comfort zone. And that's what living abroad is all about, is really navigating change, being stretched beyond your comfort zone, learning about new experiences and new cultures. Uh, This season, we had a wonderful filming that we did with the indigenous one of the indigenous tribes in Taiwan. So Taiwan has its own indigenous community of tribes that were there um, in Taiwan. And we had a fabulous experience with with a tribal member there introducing us to that culture. So, you know, there there are pros and cons of every place. Singapore is winning right now because it kind of gives you the best of everything. Uh, and, And everybody speaks English. So you can learn Mandarin and speak it if you want to, but you don't have to. That's also nice. <laughs> so it's nice to be able to just like order, grab or Uber Eats and it's in English. Like you don't understand how much of a challenge it is to like not know what you're ordering, but it stretches you. So there's mm-hmm. there's pluses to, to all of it. No, that sounds nice. I, I definitely have Singapore and Taiwan on my like bucket list, my <laughs> goals to visit list. Um, yeah. The only places in Asia I've seen so far are just Thailand and China. So I definitely want to like get out there more, Mm. um, especially now that things are opening up. So hopefully uh, I get the chance in the next few years. (laughs) Yes. Yes, indeed. I think, you know, know, things constantly change, but yeah, things are opening up more. So I hope that my friends will be able to come and visit. I had friends in season one. I had friends and family that came over. For my husband, we had our 15-year wedding anniversary in Taiwan, and we had so much fun. Um, and I was just so grateful that people were able to do that before, before COVID, before everything locked down. So that was a good time. But um, yeah, if you're in Singapore, definitely look me up because it's it's a great place, <laughs> a lot oh, of fun, yeah. a lot of things to do. Yeah, Def- definitely. I'll I'll send you an email. <laughs> yes, sounds good. <laughs> So, like, this whole episode has been super entertaining, like I said before. Where can the audience find you on social media or any platforms if they're interested in learning more about you? Absolutely. You can go to I am Juanita Ingram, um, and that's my website. It's IamJuanitaIngram.com. All of my social media handles, I am Juanita Ingram. And then you can also go to Purpose Productions, um, PurposeProduction.org. It's purpose.production on Instagram and Facebook. And um, for the show, you can go to Amazon Prime. It's called The Expats, International Ingram. And um, the website and all social media handles are the expatsshow.com. Uh, and then Instagram, Snapchat, everything, TikTok, everything is the, the expats show. 
And um, yeah, we would love the support. And I, I just appreciate being able to, to tell our story and share the journey. Definitely. I will link most, if not all of those um, links <laughs> into the show notes so y'all can easily find it. Um, you'll also be able to find their Instagram on our Instagram page when this episode's out because I'll definitely tag them in the post. But awesome. thank you so much, Juanita, for doing this interview. I want to conclude with the final question we ask in every interview, and it's why do you think Black women should travel? Oh, because we must normalize ourselves in every space. We must normalize us just being, and part of being is living. And for me, travel is life. Going out, you know, self-care. For me, travel is a form of self-care. It's a way to escape. It's a way to have a break. It's a way to learn new things. It's a way to really expand who we are, our thoughts, our experiences. And we need to normalize us just being and normalize it for ourselves and for others, but mainly for ourselves to just take a break, to take rest, to love on ourselves, to explore new things. Girls trips are always nice. Solo trips are always amazing. I, I just think it's so important for us to just and part of us just being. Thank you so much. We ask that question every interview and I always love every response that we get. And I hope the people listening, you know, listen to the advice everybody gives and does decide to travel some more, especially the Black women that are listening. But thank you again, Juanita, for doing this interview. I hope everyone enjoyed the story. Make sure y'all follow her, find the show, do all of it. It's all in the show notes, so go find it now. And yeah, thank you for listening. Awesome. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it.